0: So this webinar is about market orientation and thanks to Flowpool for the idea for this particular topic in the month of July 2022. Now this is a very high level strategic thing to be thinking about whether you're in a large business, small business, an organization that is there for making profit, not for profit, Whatever it is, whatever kind of group of people you get together with to do whatever it is that you do, uh, market orientation, in other words, how you focus your efforts, your energies and your resources towards the market that you serve in such a way that differentiates you potentially from the competition. This is what we're talking about here. This is a really fundamental topic to be discussing within your organization and figuring out what is the best fit? And I'm going to give you some ideas and some thinking around how you can start to do this if you haven't already. And also critiquing what you believe you might be right now, uh, or maybe not. And this is the key within market orientation, is that it includes a range of different perspectives, i.e. viewpoints, around the decision making that your organization does, how you approach market intelligence, how the culture and tone of voice and style of the organization is going to evolve, as well as the behaviors that everybody in the organization does and the habits of people and teams and management, and interactions and communication. Um, also it will be something that will drive your strategic perspective, You know, the higher level reason that you have a mission or a vision as an organization. And also how you are working with stakeholders, particularly customers, and how you kind of orientate around the customer's needs or not. And so this is a really fundamental thing to be thinking about and to really understand because it will drive so many different things within your organization in terms of the thinking, the decision making, and also um, how it kind of interacts as a, as a living breathing entity. Now if you've got any questions at all, I'm going to uh, field some questions. hopefully at the end if you have any. Uh, use the q and a uh, button there and send me some, uh, some messages or some thoughts or observations if you have them as we go through these uh, materials. and I will endeavor as best I can to answer your questions at the end. So this is what we're going to be covering. And we're going to be looking at a whole range of different um, possibilities, I guess you could say, in terms of your market orientation. And there are five right here, right now, five different possible market orientations. And I would suggest that you are predominantly one of these. Okay, uh, Generally, we all, no matter how big or small we are as an organization, we all fit into one priority or one predominant market orientation. Now, you could argue that, oh, we're a little bit of this and a little bit of that and maybe a little bit of the other. And that is probably true. But generally, we're going to prioritise or fit into one that kind of rises to the surface as being the one that really defines us. And this is what your orientation as an organisation will be. So could be production orientated, could be product orientated. You might have a sales orientation you might also have a marketing or market orientation and I use those two terms interchangeably when marketing is the voice of the market or the voice of the customer again I'll I'll differentiate and I'll I'll kind of describe that a little bit more uh, shortly. But you may also have, and this is the new kid on the block in market orientation, you may also have a purpose or societal or environmental orientation, something a little bit different to the previous four, which have been traditionally how we viewed market orientation. So production focused, product focused, sales focused, marketing or market um, orientated or focused, or societal or purpose driven focus. And one of these is going to rise to the surface. One of these is going to be the thing that predominantly is who you are. Okay, so if you have, as I say, any questions, uh, save these to the Q&A at the end, use the Q&A button. Or if you happen to be watching this on catch up, uh, pop your message or your question into the uh, message thread that you'll see below the link to this recording. And I will endeavor, uh, if I spot it, uh, to answer the question there as well. Okay, so let's do a deep dive into each of these five. And I'm going to give you an example, which is typically how I would view um, the organization that probably is more um, predominant in this particular orientation. Okay, so we're going to start first of all with the product orientation. Now, a lot of people might challenge that Apple, which is the example I'm going to give here for a product orientated business, A lot of people might say, oh, no, no, that's actually marketing driven because they're all about, you know, serving the marketplace. And of course, that is just doing marketing and that is what they do. But their predominant focus is to be product driven, constantly focused on innovation. They're looking constantly to improve and update the existing products or introduce new products. And when you notice they're advertising, their communications, their stores, the main propositions are generally around product quality. OK, so a product focused business, product orientated business generally focuses its propositions. So that kind of gives you the clue about their orientation. Because the propositions, the key messages they share generally are are around product quality and the innovation story and the fact that, you know, you can be with them for a lifelong journey as they upgrade your products or the products that you use from them. Now, there's a lot of positives and negatives that, you know, in any orientation, there is no one size fits all and there is no one that is better than the other. They just are what they are. Their decision making focuses, if you like, or foci that actually focus you on where your priorities or where your kind of best fit is as a collection of people doing things to serve your market. So the product-orientated company, such as Apple, the pros for that will be the quality of the product, uh, the opportunities for pricing, Um, You know, you can, if you're adding extra value through the products, you can potentially then charge a little bit more. Just think of, you know, Apple's pricing, it tends to be premium. And also it opens up the opportunity to niche. In other words, you can focus on a particular product for a particular niche of the marketplace. And this can be hugely profitable. So there's some real upsides to being product orientated. But the cons of that, the the downside or the challenges that a product oriented company might face are the relevance to the market, because you're making the assumption that you know the best answer. You know, Steve Jobs famously said that our customers don't know what they want, because we do, because we're going to create the market and create the market demand through product excellence. So they don't yet know as customers, actually, they do need us, but we're going to convince them they do. And so this is a very, it's its bullish, it's very confident, it's very, you could argue, egocentric, it's very focused on the organization and what it can do, but it might be irrelevant to the market because it relies almost solely on you getting the products right. And because the need to be product focused sits alongside the need to innovate and always keep things fresh and up to date, the cost of innovation can also be a prohibitive thing. So it might mean that you can't necessarily do everything you wanna do. Bring up products to market, upgrade products, innovate as fast as you want, because a lot of that does cost, okay? So the upsides, potentially very profitable, the downsides, relevance if you get it wrong, and also then the cost of actually serving this. But a lot of organizations are described as product-orientated, not saying it's good, not saying it's bad, you know, Apple, the first trillion dollar company. So, you know, we can't knock that, you know, it works if it's your kind of preference. Let's look at the second one now, production-orientated organizational company. Good example here, McDonald's. Now, a lot of things, if you were to search what is the market orientation for McDonald's, a lot of the time you will see that they claim to be customer driven, marketing focused. I'm going to challenge that and say that it is very, very driven by efficiencies. It's very, very driven by economies of scale. So if you buy into a McDonald's franchise and you open up a McDonald's store somewhere in the world, you are going to be profiting from the economies of scale. Literally, the billions of burgers, the billions of fries that are mass produced all over the world gives economies of scale. And that's a huge, huge benefit as a pro for production driven organizations. They're very return driven. So they're looking to get a return on the investment that they do and because of the scale, because they are super efficient by definition, because they focus almost solely on production methods, processes and systems, they are able to mass produce. So they hugely potential for scaling. And a lot of the propositions in production-focused organizations are driven by price because they can afford to. So they can afford to undercut the competitors who might be product-focused, so spending a lot more. So they can be very, very profitable by driving down cost because they're efficiency focused. So when you kind of look at um, the main propositions of production focused companies, they are generally quite competitively driven by price. And that is often the giveaway and also the speed of service, the efficiencies. And just think of McDonald's, you know, the speed that they can process your order because that counts. Now, the cons of this is it almost it needs to be a mass market offering. So a commodity product or something that can appeal to a very broad range of different types of customer. So you almost need to be mass market to take benefit from the economies of scale, which are driven by the efficiencies. So there's a lot of kind of interplay here. And if your organization is very focused on um efficient systems, constant improvement of process, then it might be that you are a production-driven or production-orientated organization. The challenge, the, one of the biggest challenges that I see with production-focused companies is that they don't necessarily have much of a focus on the marketplace. Again, a little bit like product-focused or product-orientated companies, they tend to focus inward and they can be hugely profitable, and you can't knock McDonald's in terms of the business model. You might be able to knock them for other things, but you can't vote, um, can't fault them really in terms of the efficiency model that's going on here. But it sometimes can come at the lack of market focus. They did have to play catch up with some of the. Um, The health um, issues and the fact that they weren't for a long, long time providing particularly healthy options on the menu, they've turned that around, so it doesn't mean that you can't be market focused, but it's not the priority, the priority here is to get a return on the resource investment, and that is typically another giveaway sign that you're a production focused company next one sales orientated companies so if you've got a sales orientation you've got a to drive towards meeting sales volume and value targets you know whatever the market need it's not irrelevant because obviously to get those targets hit you need to be providing products and services that will meet you know a customer need because otherwise the customers will not come And sales driven organizations tend to be very, very good at surviving in commodity markets or when there's a a sudden change in the marketplace. Um, So you tend to see a lot of the bigger kind of high street brands and and perfect example is Walmart as a sales driven organization, um, able to generate huge cash flows in the short term and able to survive in commodity markets where it's all about You know, stacking it high, getting the products out of the door as fast as you can. So it's all about sales volume. Yes, creating sales value. It doesn't necessarily mean everything is cheap. That is not the equation here. But it's all about volume and value. It's about how much sales can we drive. And it's almost at any cost. Okay, so there's a there's a little giveaway. It's it's almost that, you know, there is a lack of customer focus in the purest sense. You know, Walmart, I'm sure will say, well, no, we're marketing focus as well. And of course, they are. You don't become an organization like Walmart uh, without actually having some kind of customer focus. But the, the flip side of being sales-driven or sales-orientated is that it's not a preference. Okay, so the market need... The identification of research and kind of figuring out what customers want and focusing on the customer is less important than the sales drive. Okay, and you will see that in the style of the organization and potentially in the medium to longer term, this can challenge your brand. You don't tend to see sales driven organizations with, you know, huge uh, sort of brand equity, as it were, unless, of course, they're at the scale of Walmart, where just sheer brand recognition enables them to kind of punch above their brand brand. values if you like in terms of the customer value that they're giving but in a medium to smaller size um, organization that's going to be a hard one because potentially if your customers see you as always a good offer but actually not particularly quality as a brand that can damage your long-term standing So sales is great. We all need sales if you're in a commercial environment. Of course we do. But just be considering that if you're looking to shift from a particular orientation towards a sales orientation, just purely for survival, it can sometimes come at the cost of long term brand equity or kind of brand quality, if you like. So with all of these, as we're seeing, there is a flip side, there isn't any one way that you can say this is like the perfect, perfect match and it just you know, highlights everything that everyone should do. And this is particularly important if we look at a marketing or market or customer orientation. Okay, you will see these terms used interchangeably, and I'm going to call it a marketing orientation. Now, if you're in marketing, and of course, I talk to a lot of people and work with a lot of people who are in marketing, a marketer will naturally say, well, obviously, this is the best orientation. And I'm sat here having to argue against it because I'm going to say, well, it's just one of five. But of course, if you are looking to put the customer first, If you are basing your orientation on research and evidence of what the customer needs and then matching those needs with the outputs of the business in terms of product, in terms of service, in terms of customer value, then it's a really hard one to argue against. And of course, if you're looking to build a long term brand. This is a great starting place because this is all at the heart of building a long term brand. Because, of course, from the customer's perspective, they want to be loyal to organizations who put them first. They're going to advocate. They're going to share the great stuff that you've done because you're meeting their needs. And of course, if you do this in the longer term, being marketing driven and really listening to the marketplace, then your customer satisfaction levels go up. So there's a lot to be said for this. But of course, as with all of these orientations, there are potential flip sides. So the cons of a marketing um, orientation is that generally you are reactive to the market. So if the market is very fickle, or if the market changes suddenly, you potentially then have some very expensive reactions to those trends. And if you're not actually watching the trends and you're making assumptions or making decisions based on stuff that happened in the past and you're marketing orientated, well, you could be working with old data. So the flip side is it's quite expensive to be truly, purely and genuinely marketing focused. It probably costs a lot more than sales orientation. Um, It's probably less efficient than production orientation. And it's less innovative, probably, because you're driven by the market than a product orientation. Now, an organization, great example of an um, organization who is marketing focused is Red Bull. You know, the number of iterations of themselves they have, the number of versions that you can see both digitally and in the real world of the Red Bull brand, you'll see it in Formula One, you'll see it in offshore power boating, you'll see it in skateboarding, you'll see it in surfing. It's everywhere, but there, these are di- subtly different versions, meeting the needs of the individual markets that they serve. And again, no one size fits all. Yes, we will all recognize the Red Bull brand, but it will be subtly different. And of course, that subtle difference comes by meeting the needs of that individual market or customer persona. So it isn't necessarily the right way of doing it, it's just another way of doing it. But if that kind of meets the needs of your organization, then that could be something that really kind of works for you, or it could be something that you want to migrate towards. And talking talking of migration, this is the new one, this purpose. I'm going to call it purpose rather than societal because I think to me purpose is the higher level above that under which societal uh, orientation fits. So I'm going to call this purpose driven orientation. And we are seeing brands who are totally and utterly committed to a higher purpose, a higher reason for being. And they're either emerging as new brands and new organizations or, as in the likes of this perfect example, Patagonia, reinventing their whole business model globally to serve a higher purpose. So, a higher purpose oriented organization is one that focuses on delivering greater well being for people and the planet through creating and delivering value in however it defines it. So, the pros of that are brand credibility. Everybody knows that Patagonia is probably one of the most purpose driven, ethical, mindful organizations on the planet. Their ethical relevance, and that's a nice little phrase. How ethically relevant are you? Actually, when you think about your you know production and your marketing and your communications and your day-to-day activities ethical relevance but their ethical relevance to their target audience and attracting particularly you know emerging demographics and emerging audiences who are becoming very very sensitive to how ethical brands are in their operations how they ethically source their raw materials how they genuinely communicate what they're doing without any form of greenwashing how they communicate With their customers. So, this emerging marketplace will absolutely lap up the likes of Patagonia. But, of course, there's always a flip side. There is a need for full organizational buy in if you want to be purpose driven. You can't do this alone. You know, if you are looking to move from a sales orientation to becoming a purpose driven orientation, well, that is a seismic shift in the priorities, the decision making the considerations, the strategies for the organization. So this one really doesn't happen overnight. They're all difficult. If you were looking to migrate from one to another orientation, because of course, this is all about habits built up over time, then it's a hard thing to do full stop. But if you are looking to do this coming from certain orientations, and I would say probably a sales orientation is a really tricky one, probably a product orientation is the next trickiest one, then this is hard to do. So you do need to get a full organizational buy-in. You can't do this solo or as a small team. And, of course, if, though, it needs um, to to happen in your organisation because the market demands it and this is just the right thing to do and you agree it's going to be the right thing to do, another big challenge is the alignment of existing skills with the needs that you have to become purpose-driven. Do you have the processes to drive a purpose-driven environment? Do you have the systems? Do you have the people? Do you have the budget and the resources to make that change? So it sounds a lovely thing to do. And of course, I think we'd all agree it is an amazing thing to do, but to pivot to purpose or value driven, which is a nearly a new orientation in the mix here, that is a hard thing to do, but it can be done as Patagonia will evidence. So we have our five there. We have product, we have production, we have sales, we have marketing or market, and then we have purpose or value orientation. So now we've got those definitions, what can we actually do with them? Because one of the key things is to really understand the so what, because you could be sat there thinking, okay, well, yeah, Neil, okay, I'll get those, that's fine. But yeah, and, well, this is a really, really important strategic thing to both understand, but to also realize why certain things work in your organization and why certain things seem like you're pushing water uphill. Okay, because your style of orientation will affect and influence the way that your organization makes decisions, how the organization makes decisions. It's aversion to risk or it's welcomeness to things like innovation. So based on what your orientation is, it will affect decision making. It will also affect how much it needs or wants or desires to be focused on market intelligence. You know, some orientations just feel just naturally like they don't need to worry because well, we're going to develop this product anyway. And then we'll find a market that will like it because it's so darn good. Everybody's going to want it. So needing market intelligence is very different in an organization who views it like that versus maybe a marketing orientation where it's all about understanding the customer first. So the way that that influences and affects the reliance or the focus on market intelligence and research and the like and data and statistics and analysis and insights is absolutely key. So if you find that that isn't really valued, then that gives you a bit of a sign as to which kind of orientation you are. It also significantly affects the culture, the behaviors and the style of the organization. I mean, just look down the list here, Apple versus McDonald's. If you were working within Apple, if you were working as part of a team inside the Apple culture, how would that be different to McDonald's? How would that be different to Patagonia? I mean, I think even without working inside those organizations, you can kind of get a sense of the cultural differences, the behaviors, the styles, just the way that the people communicate and interact and what is expected as an employee or as a manager or as a senior decision maker in those organizations. Strategic decision making is fundamentally influenced and affected by the orientation how the organization makes long-term big-ticket strategic decisions comes from and is almost really at the heart of the orientation of the organization. So if you are a sales-orientated company, your strategic decision-making and even your definition of the word strategic is going to be so profoundly different to one that is very much about purpose-driven, for example, where it is very much about the long-term benefit to society and the planet and that almost have a long-term view just by definition whereas a sales-driven organization they'll say that oh yes we have a strategic plan probably but actually the whole heart and the drive and the energy behind the organization is about short-termism it's about survival it's about sales value and volume as we've talked about So even the definition of the word strategic is fundamentally different in these types of orientations and also the perspective of stakeholders is influenced and affected by the orientation. So if you think about an investor, if you were looking to invest some money, would you invest in Apple, McDonald's, Walmart, Red Bull, or Patagonia? Um, If you had to choose one to invest some of your hard-earned cash in, which one would you go for? Well, it would be one that aligns with your personal beliefs, with your personal ethos, with the style and tone of voice that you resonate most with. And if you were a supplier into an organization, you're looking for an organization that is a like minded soul. So the perspective of the outsiders, and of course, that includes customers, is influenced and affected by the orientation, because this is very much the outward facing style, if you like, of how that brand is interacting with the world. And so you will have a very different perspective of a sales driven company versus one that is marketing or production driven. And you'll kind of, once you start thinking about this, be able to put a lot of organizations into these little pockets, into these little uh, pots, if you like, that define them as similar style organizations. And your perspective will resonate with them based around what you value. So it gets hugely, hugely interesting. I mean, it's fascinating when you think about these kinds of things and how they really affect, you know, at a fundamental level, how your business or organization operates. So here's a rhetorical question then. What orientation is your business? And I just want you to just think about that just for a moment. Which one really resonates? Product-focused, production-focused, sales-focused, marketing-focused, or purpose-focused? You know, it's a tricky question because undoubtedly you'll say, well, Neil, it's actually it's more than one. It really genuinely is more than one. And I'll say to you, no, it's not. And there's the, my, my rhetorical challenge to you. No, it's not. You can only have one orientation. You will have a mix of all of it. And if you've got green you know, projects going on, yes, of course, there is a level of orientation towards you know, purpose-driven. But those are only projects. This is the ethos of the organisation that we're talking about, the highest level orientation, that if you had to choose one of the five, and the other four disappeared, you'd still survive and you'd still feel that it resonated. That's the question that we're asking here. And it isn't probably something you can probably very accurately answer just straight off the cuff like that. So what we often need to do is to decide what is the most appropriate orientation by looking for some of the clues in the way that our organization operates, okay? So the first question would be, well, what is your marketing strategy? And if it is that, well, we don't really have a strategy, we've got a sales strategy, there it is. There's the first clue. Guess what the answer is? But if it is, yeah, we've got a big fat marketing strategy and it's all about customer research and it's all this kind of other stuff, there's another clue as to which way this is going. Second question will be, well, what are your business goals? And if you're not in a business, you're in a not for profit, you work for a council, you work for the government or whatever, let's just use the word business um, in its generic sense what are your business goals so what are the smart goals that you have as an organization higher than marketing goals higher than sales goals and targets what are your business goals what are the kind of the smart reasons why you come to work as a group of people every monday morning you start doing the same stuff again what are you trying to achieve what are you trying to do because that could also be a clue and is there a sustainable audience interested in you okay in other words and by the word sustainable i'm not talking about sustainability here i'm talking about can you sustain the audience and, and what kind of audience is it? What are they looking for? Is it a little bit like the Apple case that they're looking for you to kind of guide and lead them as to what comes next and wow them with your innovation and wow them with your technology? Or is it you're looking to just listen to them because they've got a lot of stuff they want to tell you? Or is it that they're looking to just get a great deal from you? What is it that they're asking for from you? And if you can get a sense of what that is, that might guide you in terms of the orientation based on those earlier definitions and look at your broader marketplace do you have competitors you know again if you're in a commercial environment you will have competitors be they indirect or direct and what are their orientations can you put those into some of the pots and does that give you a clue as to where you might fit and if it is such that look at them all they're all in this one focus or this one orientation hmm interesting question does that open up an opportunity for us to migrate to another one what would that do to maybe you know rattle the marketplace what would that do in terms of our sales or our you know brand building if we were to pivot into a different type of orientation much like Patagonia did you know they were the first of the big guys to, to move that kind of um clothing and apparel industry into this space and they've really really gone for it and just look at the the benefits for them to do that so you know is it an opportunity to pivot you know what can you see when you look at your competition and do you have technical competencies to deliver through your orientation choice? In other words, if you find that there are people, specialists in the organization or a lot of resources devoted to things like product development. I mean, I worked in organizations where probably the most cherished part of the organization is the product development team, the, the MPD team. And they really are you know, rewarded. They really are put on a pedestal. And even though the business does focus on customers and it is interested in sales, hmm, the orientation towards new product development and always trying to stay one step ahead kind of gave away what kind of orientation that organization had. Doesn't mean they don't do the other things, but it just means their predominant focus was that. So if you can spot any technical competencies in production, so processes and systems or product development or sales, or marketing or purpose driven, value driven, then that again might give you a choice either to move to that particular orientation or to really identify where you are. And then having started to make the most of you know those, those bits of information is do the 14 P's or however many P's in our extended marketing mix, do those things actually align with your choice of orientation? So when you go in and actually work through all of the marketing mix that applies to your organisation. So I mean, way beyond the standard, you know, traditional um, four P's. I'm talking about all of the P's and I think I'm up to about 14 now. Anyway, that's not for this particular session but there are a lot of a lot of p's to think about just as our little checklist of have we covered all bases and and do those things align with what you believe your organization to be in its orientation or is it time to change because you've seen a better fit elsewhere when you define it and then really really importantly how does everyone feel And it's not think, this is how does everyone feel about the orientation of your organisation? Because only the most successful organisations will have a team of people, will have a culture and a style and a tone of voice internally and externally that means that people resonate in the organisation with their orientation. And you often see orientations that don't fit with the culture of the business, that's where you see people really disgruntled or you see people not buying into change or you see people saying, well, that's not how we've done it before. And all those kind of old adages, which are really, really prohibitive to to really growing and evolving as a business. So really getting a grasp of how how people actually feeling about where we're headed with this orientation or kind of where we are stuck here today in in the current situation. Because aligning people with the purpose, aligning people with the orientation, align people with the strategy, it is all about alignment. So those are things which are really, really important to kind of really moving this game forward and really understanding kind of where you are. So that's market orientation, I'm going to kind of pause at that point, because I think I've given you some definitions, I've hopefully helped you to kind of see kind of how you can identify yours and how you can maybe sort of start to explore some of the ways that you might want to change things if uh, you're looking to to move things on. And I've had a few little questions come through on the Q&A. The one question says, um, is there a wrong orientation? I'm picking up and guessing that that means for for your business or for your organization in your marketplace I don't think necessarily there's a wrong one I think um, wrong is almost like a very black and white or very kind of binary yes or no kind of thing or very kind of um, a binary type of word there's there's flavors or there's shades of orientation success if let's put it like that you know No organization, even the Patagonias of this world or the apples of this world have absolutely nailed perfectly their orientation with their strategy, with their people. There's always things you can do better. And it doesn't mean that if you have a very, very strong orientation in one direction, that you can't also be good at other things. Because again, take the Apple example, for for instance, you know know that Apple products are absolutely world-class, But you also know that their production processes are really, really slick. You know that when the product arrives, it's going to come to you through a courier that you can watch as it kind of comes to your door. So there's a lot of kind of production efficiencies in there. So we're not saying that any one of these things is exclusive. So even though you might have an orientation towards one, you can still very successfully do all the other four. Okay, so one will be predominant, one will be your orientation, but the other four can also be part of your mix. And I guess in a perfect scenario, as marketers or as business owners or as you know business leaders and decision makers, we do need to be very mindful of what we might term our balanced scorecard. So actually making sure that we're really kind of watching the other four things, even though we've got you know, most of our eyeballs looking at the big one, We need to be mindful that the other things are are there in the mix too. And particularly in a commercial environment, we don't want to miss a competitive um, angle here. Because, of course, if a competitor then focuses on something which becomes the thing for the marketplace... And we've missed a trick because we weren't watching. We obviously want to avoid that. So being mindful that all of these other four things are going on and we can do stuff about it is also really important. So great question. Now, I don't think there is a wrong orientation, but it's just flavors and balance really across all five. Uh, next question was, why can't you have two orientations? Okay, well, I kind of think I might have answered that there is that you've got five really, but one is predominant. Okay, so one will over, overarch and oversee and kind of dominate the others, and that is really important to identify which one that is, because if you just try and do all of them. you're going to get one very confused. Two, you almost certainly won't have the resources to do that. And three, you'll lose the focus of the organization's people. So by having one, it allows you something that you can use. I always call it the kind of umbrella or the clothes rail. Um, the clothes rail, you imagine your closet or your wardrobe is um, has a clothes rail in it and you can hang all of your clothes up um, against that clothes rail well if you just think about your um, orientation that is the clothes rail without that all of your clothes all of your propositions your messages your projects are just in a heap um, at the bottom of the closet or wardrobe so having this market orientation allows you to hang all of your other things all of your clothes but all of your projects and campaigns off of this because it just gives you that clarity of focus so every Everything plays back against that as being, you know, the the overarching theme, if you like, and focus of the business. So that's generally why you can't have two or more, because one of these things has to take the lead. And the final question, I think this is the final question, is uh, what if our managers disagree? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, What if our managers disagree? Okay, so. It's almost if you go through these questions, um, what is our strategy? What are the business goals? Do we have a sustainable audience? What are the competitors doing? What are their orientations? What is our technical competence? If you were to add all of the answers to those questions up and then say, okay, if over the next 12 months, we could only focus or have an orientation on one of the five Let's vote and see which one that would be. And I would dare say, if you're talking about senior management, this might not be... I don't know what size organization you're referring to here, but you say, what if our managers disagree? Well, if we, let's just talk initially about the senior management. If they were all to answer those questions, my betting would be that they would all come out with the same answer. Because it is when you stop and think about the orientation, it is quite clear. These are very distinct things, very distinct priorities. Now, the difference, if you're talking about managers at a more kind of grassroots operational level, That could be interesting, because if the organisation has an orientation strategically at the highest level that it's trying to achieve and focus everything on, but at a grassroots operational tactical level, people aren't buying into it, or they have a different view of what the organisation is, then you've got a battle on your hands okay that is the harsh reality so there is a responsibility here that this is something that is driven by i would suggest the decision makers in the organization now i know saying that can be challenged because some organizations like to be fed or the leadership likes to be fed from what is happening tactically but then that in itself as a, as a process or that in itself as a mindset might give you a feeling of, oh, okay, well, that's a bit more marketing focused, then, isn't it? Because if at the tactical level, they're listening to the, uh, to the marketplace and feeding that back up to the senior decision makers, huh, well, that's clearly not sales driven. that's clearly probably not production driven, probably is marketing driven. So that in itself will give you your answer. So I think it is about clear communication. And if this boils down to the fact that there are certain individuals who don't necessarily, you know, orientate with the orientation, so they don't actually resonate with it, then they might want to take a look in the mirror and decide whether this is an organization they want to be part of. So market orientation is something that can be used as part of a recruitment drive. It can be used as part of a filtering. If you're looking to restructure, for example, it can be used as um, an opportunity as part of the onboarding of new starters, new recruits, the induction time. There's so many different ways. I know a lot of the time when we talk about market orientation, we're very customer focused, but it can be used in a whole variety of different guises. So to me, that's why it's so, so important to really, as marketers or business owners, to really understand what our orientation is, because it's one of those themes that kind of pervades everything that we do.